I've been really enjoying this, this time in Ephesians um, personally. Uh, I've seen the benefits corporately uh, in our time of prayer, throughout the week, uh, counseling, meeting with people, the benefits of what God is doing through his word and really aligning us with his will by giving us a better grasp, a better understanding of our identity in him. Because as Al just spoke of so often, we get confused and we wander in our identity of who we are. And, and, and friends, so often it's just a simple reminder that our identity, for those who believe in Christ, our identity is found in Christ. That we are adopted, accepted. We are his children, chosen, predestined, so good. Matter of fact, we're going we're gonna to start and read from verse 3 all the way to verse 12, which will be our text today. So why don't you follow along with me. Paul says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave us of our sins. And he has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Lord, right now we ask that you would continue your time as you would equip us as your people to know and hold fast this identity that has been given to us in you, Christ Jesus. We pray that you would continue to broaden our hearts and our minds and our souls, that you would broaden and deepen the knowledge of knowing you, that it would truly affect who we are in the day-to-day -day life. This morning, Lord, 
We ask that you would allow your word to make a deep impact. That through that impact, there would be an impact into this society for your glory, for your praise. We submit to you as our King, as our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So the verse we're covering this morning, Ephesians 1, verse 12, says God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. Now, Paul, being a Jew who had become a Christian, says, we Jews, and he's speaking this because it's those who first trusted in Christ. The gospel was revealed first to the Jews. Britt mentioned that last week, Israel was God's inheritance first, and then the Gentiles were grafted in through the gospel. And so Paul's able to say, those we who have trusted in Christ, but for those of us who are not Jews, who are Gentiles, we also equally can look at this text and make application because Paul goes on to, in verse 13 to say, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves us. Amen both first for the Jews and the Gentiles. And so for our purposes this morning, we can read this text and apply this verse in saying God's purpose was that we together, both Jews and Gentiles, who trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. The Greek here has a definite article before Christ, and it's more literal to say that those who hope in Christ, the New Living Translation says for those who trust, but it's a better and proper translation to say for those who hope in Christ. And the meaning is, and what Paul is really wanting to emphasize is the importance of hoping, trusting, and believing in Christ. And you think of the rich heritage that he's speaking when he says, we Jews. The heritage that would go back to Abraham. The the heritage that they had this hope in the Messiah. And this hope had got them through many trials, many tribulations. Think of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had a hope in Christ. That would get them through the fiery furnace. They had a hope in the Messiah. And to think that this heritage that Paul was a part of, who was passionate about preaching the gospel to the Jews, that they would see that the Messiah has come, and that Messiah is Jesus Christ. And so he's wanting to emphasize the importance of what this trust and this hope was. 
And that was the fulfillment that Jesus Christ was the Messiah and that all hope was to be in him. And he's really trying to emphasize that by gathering both Jews and Gentiles as we read this text, we would believe and have this mindset that our, all our hope is solely in Christ. That is the mentality that Paul is trying to, to, to really grasp us, to, to have this full out hope in him. In a sense that that we would see the importance of and that all our eggs would be put in this basket, the, the gospel-centered, Christ-centered, uh, cross-centered basket, that all our eggs would be put in there. And he emphasizes this with, with the importance because he, we have a tendency to put our hope in other things. We put our hope in jobs, relationships. We're prone to putting our hope in image, our education. And these things are sinking sand. It's Christ who is our solid rock. Amen? And that is why we put our hope and our trust fully in him. It's a good reminder because of our tendency to put our hope in this or in that. Put your hope in, in family members or in, in, in a marriage. And, and as we look around, the things that you, you feel like, man, I, I just thought that, that this was a sure thing. There is no sure thing except for Christ Jesus, our solid rock. Amen. Our strong tower, our deliverer. And so we're told here that when we put our hope with, our, with a mentality such as that in Christ, when we put our hope and trust in Christ, it brings praise and glory to God. So the plan of God, the will of God, is that we would hope and trust in him, and by doing so, we would bring praise and glory to him. I love what John Stott says in a commentary of this verse. He says this, this was God's will for Israel in the Old Testament days, and it is also the will of God for his people today. Here then are the how and the why of God's people who are also his heritage and his possession. How did we become his people? Answer, according to the good pleasure of his will. Why did he make us his people? Answer, for the praise of the glory of his grace. Thus, everything we have and are in Christ both comes from God and returns back to God. It begins in his will and it ends in his glory. For this is where everything begins 
and ends. God's plan and purpose for you and I, brothers and sisters, is that we would give great glory and praise to our God. And when we hope in Christ, we submit to his will for our lives. And so often as his people, we question, what is God's will for us? God's will for you is to trust and hope in him. All other things will be added unto you. But the question would be, is how does this pan out in our day-to-day lives? How would the application be? Because I think it's easy to subscribe to that. I, I think it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing that we would corporately say yes. God's plan is that we would trust and hope in him. And in doing so, we would give praise and glory back to him. But what does that look like Monday morning? Because it's not just at the point of salvation that we're to believe and hope in such a way. It's not just the day that you got saved that you had faith and trust in God. You believed and, and, and you perhaps you said the sinner's prayer or you just believed in your heart and you confessed. Could we say that at that point, at that point, from then on, you would give glory and praise to God? I don't think there's a soul in here who would testify and say, yeah, from the day I trusted and believed and hoped in Christ, I have done nothing but give glory and praise to God. My life has is, is, is been just that. No, I don't think that's the case because it's a day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute application. It's not just at the point of salvation. At that point, yes, praise and glory was given to God because you were a sinner and you confessed that you needed a savior and that in that, Christ would pay the debt that you were not able to pay yourself. And that in faith you would believe that a savior would and has and is doing a great work now in your life. But it's a day by day work that we put this hope and trust in him. Just as the Jews did. And just as we are to continue to put our hope and trust in him. Because in doing so, we give God glory. Paul gives some real practical tips on how this can pan out, work out in your day-to-day life. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, Whatever then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
If we're looking for a practical, what does this look like day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute? How can I continue to hope in Christ to give him glory in my life daily? Well, he would, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. In context, it's a wonderful passage. It's 1 Corinthians 10. He begins in uh, verse 1 by saying this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud of the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and they drank the same spiritual drink and they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now all things occurred as an example to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down and they ate and they drank and they got and indulged themselves in pagan rivalry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And he goes on to say that we should not test the Lord as some of them did. We should not grumble as some of them did. These things happened as examples and were written down as warnings for us, the readers, that it was a fulfillment of the age to come so that if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you do not fall. No temptation has seized you except for what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And then he goes on as the discussion would be about what can be uh, eaten, what could um, they participate in, in drinking. And he concludes with this verse 31 by saying, whatever then you eat or drink, whatever it is that you do, do to the glory of God. Friends, if we have that mindset daily, thinking to ourselves, will this or will this not bring glory to God? If we take that approach, as Paul is suggesting that we would, we would find ourselves submitted to his will, giving glory to him, being most potent for his kingdom. Fulfilling the, the very plan and the purpose of God. Just by humbly submitting ourselves and asking, will this glorify God or will this not? And if you ask yourself that question and you don't know the answer, then you look to Jesus. Without Jesus, we, we quite frankly, we, we wouldn't know how to glorify God. There was no greater person on earth to show us how to glorify God than Jesus himself, 
who was God, who came and took on humanity. He was fully God and fully man. And he was a great example of how to submit to the will of God to glorify God. So if you're ever in a position where you're not sure, then you look to Jesus. Look to Jesus on how to glorify God day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. You may find yourself asking, should I have sex with my boyfriend or my girlfriend? No. Jesus was a single man, he died a single man, and he preached. And he also, as you see in the book of Galatians chapter 5, that we're not to give in to sexual immorality. So when we have these questions, we look to Jesus and we look to the word of God, which is Jesus, and we find our answers. Should I get drunk? No. Jesus did not get drunk, and it does not glorify God. And we read in Ephesians 5.18 that we are not to be drunk with wine, but we're to be filled with the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? Did Jesus steal? No. See, whenever we get to a place where we need to ask ourselves the question, we ask, even for myself, personally, Lord, how could I be a parent that would glorify you? Well, Ephesians 6 says, gee, don't exasperate your children, but raise them in the way of the Lord. God gives provision for us as we seek to glorify him. He has a will for us to submit, excuse me, to submit to. Should I cheat on my taxes? No. Jesus said, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And yeah, there's many of us that say, man, Uncle Sam, he's doing us in. Let's do him back. No. Give to Uncle Sam what is his. Because in doing so, we give glory to God. Should I cheat on my spouse? No. Jesus said to the adulterous woman, after forgiving her, go and sin no more. Should I be a cheesy Christian and ditch my job? No. Jesus finished what he started. When he came to earth, he finished on the cross. The work he has begun in you, he will finish. So why are Christians so cheesy and not finishing well? Why'd you quit your job, man? I just felt like it wasn't the job for me. Okay, well, that's cool, but finish well because it gives glory to God. Dude, it's just a temporary Starbucks job. We give most glory to God when you finish well. I threw that in there because I see that a lot. 
Listen, when we claim to be Christians, how we're living in our life needs to match what we believe. And we give glory to God when we seek and hope in him. When we follow him as our example, he's our pastor, he's our shepherd, he's our Lord. And God has preserved the word that we might look into it and find our day-to-day answers. Whether it be in parenting or marital issues, stop and think. Ask yourself, is this bringing glory to God? Is my mode and my intentions Right now, are they bringing glory to God? Jesus sought to do the will of the Father and in doing so, gave great glory to God. John 14, 31 says, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world would know that I love the Father. We are to be a people who are marked by the love of God that they would see What happens when a man and a woman submits to the will of God? They won't see cheesy Christian. They won't see cop-outs. And, and I, I truly believe this. As I've been studying this and, and it's just been packed in and it's just been challenging me in a sweet and wonderful way. Because friends, this is what it means to engage in, in, in the word of God. As we engage in it, we see God's will revealed to us. And today we're learning by accepting and submitting to that, we bring God praise and glory. Isn't that what we want? Friends, if we're real with each other, we see that there, there is an internal battle that often our pride says, no, I want the praise. I want the glory. But when we humble and, and set out to have the mindset of putting all hope in Christ, what we're doing is we're submitting and saying, okay, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done then we can live in our culture in such a way to honor and glorify God in all things, including food, sex, drink, whatever it is, fellowship, friendship, family. When we seek ye first the kingdom of God, all those other things, they'll be added unto us and the glory of God will be given in them as we seek to submit to him. Last week at the dinner table, my wife, it's a tradition of ours, probably about six times out of the seven uh, days of the week, we try to sit down as a family and have dinner together. And it's straight mayhem, just crazy. My poor wife's got to deal with five kids. I have four. She would see them as five. Because I'm usually the one like just throwing things and just, just... 
I don't know why I can't grow up, but this, whatever. Our dinner time is mayhem, but we try to dialogue. We try to have discussion. What was your favorite part of the day? Sometimes I come up with trivia, and it's just fun because it's bonding time for our family. And last week, my wife, she, she, she engaged the kids with this question. She said, what would keep you in God's will in 20 years? So she's engaging them thinking, okay, in 20 years, what is it that you believe would keep you in the will of God? So that in 20 years, you're still walking strong with him. And my son, who's six years old, just boom. He goes first. There he is. There's my cowboy. Without skipping a beat, he says, worshiping him. Very fitting for a son whose name's Judah, which means praise. I thought to myself, yes, son. As we worship him in spirit and truth, very fitting. As we engage in intimate worship, yes, yes. And then next, my eight-year-old daughter, Mercy Rose, she says, prayer. And she followed up her answer by saying, I talk to God all the time, every day. Yes. Continue your prayer life, Mercy, In 20 years, you'll find yourself smack dab in the middle of God's will, glorifying him. This is exciting. Prayer keeps us in tune with God. And next, my 12-year-old Michaela says, the B-I-B-L-E, the word of God is gonna keep me on track. The will of God in 20 years. Yes. Proud father, yes. Reading the word of God is so important, friends. If if we seek to glorify God, if we seek the will of God to glorify God, we have to be really, not in a religious, but in a real relational way, seeking to look at the life of Christ Because remember, we, we all agreed that as our shepherd, as our king, as our pastor, we look to him for an example of what it means to live day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. Putting our full trust in him. So we don't look at the Bible with a, as a book of do's and don'ts. We look at it as an opportunities to join in on the mission of God for the glory of God by engaging in the will of God. It's not just a book of do's and don'ts, but of opportunities to glorify God. Amen? And last, my daughter, my firstborn daughter, I call her my firstborn son because I'm so convinced that she was going to be a boy. And she's kind of a tomboy, but don't tell her that because she gets mad when I ever even bring her up in a message. But my firstborn, Natalie, who's 13 years old, she says, in 20 years, by making wise choices, in 
20 years find that we will be in the will of God. Which makes so much sense. Really good application. That we would be doers of the word. Not just hearers, but we would be doers and that we would make wise decisions off of the knowledge that has been given to us in Christ as we engage in prayer, in corporate worship, in this setting, as we continue to seek him, comes back to us making wise decisions daily, hourly, minute by minute. And friends, let me tell you, I wasn't given an opportunity to speak. <laughs> and it wasn't because my wife would shut me down or anything. And, but I would have added in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit, which will be addressed next week, couple that with the word of God and making wise decisions and engaging in prayer and corporate worship and in worship of just our everyday lives Living a, being that living sacrifice, these are great key ingredients to giving God the glory which is due unto him for what he has done by engaging us to allow us to be a part of his will. Though we were not worthy, we would be able to engage in the mission of God and have opportunity to give glory to God. These friends... Great ingredients to apply daily, to give daily praise and glory to God. Like what John Piper says in regards to this text in 1 Corinthians. He says this, you and I were made for the express purpose of glorifying God in all times and places and circumstances. We were made to glorify God. Birds were made to fly. Fish were made to swim. We were made to glorify God. Everything in our life is an opportunity to glorify God or not to glorify God. Paul just said in 1 Corinthians 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all. Everything, the whole lot of life to the glory of God. So that every moment, every day, you and I will make decisions that will either glorify or not glorify God. This means that everything in our life is an opportunity to glorify our God. This morning, friends, we have an opportunity to now pray Think through and ponder, asking, seeking God. What in our life is giving glory and what in our life is not? Because then we can make a choice to come and repent and ask forgiveness in areas that perhaps we've, we've fallen. We have not glorified God. We have opportunity to give praise and glory to God in areas that we have. Either way, we can engage and seek God and give praise unto his name. But I have a strong sense that there's a need for us to truly give great attention 
to areas in our lives that perhaps don't glorify God. Struggles, pride. There's no need to feel condemnation in it. And listen, friends. There's also no need to be overwhelmed with, oh my, how am I going to pull this off? The beauty is we have the power of the Spirit. And ultimately, you can't pull it off apart from Him. Maybe there's some of you here like, man, I've screwed it up already. My life's been nothing but a disaster. No glory to God, no praise. Maybe even last night you're thinking to yourself, man, just last night I was just blown it. Here's what's just been ministering to me this whole year. Lamentations. Chapter 3 says this, verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him. To those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for the salvation from the Lord. And it is good for his people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline. And friends, that is good news for those of us who may fail and fumble. And that it may even happen tomorrow morning, Monday morning. But because of the grace of God, we can repent and still give glory to him. That is a good and faithful God. And so friends, let's corporately together as the worship team comes up, I just thinking through um, the opportunity we have right now. The prayer team is to your left and to your right to go and, and just... You know, seek opportunity to pray and ask. Maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, it, it's, it's been a real hard road. I feel like I've really fumbled and just this habit or this stronghold. Friends, let's be a people who would submit to God to seek to glorify God most in our lives. That we would give glory to him in our marriage, in our workplace, in our relationships, and in our lives. Because friends, there's no need to feel overwhelmed with this task or this opportunity. Because we are made in the image of God. And by being image bearers, he's given us the very capacity by his power, his will. He wouldn't call us to this if it wasn't him. Otherwise, it would be a mean God who would say, hey, do something you can never do. And again, apart from him, we cannot do, but submitting to him, we can. Give great glory to God. To impact our families, to impact our neighbors, to impact this city, to glorify God as we seek to submit to him. 
And so that is why I would conclude by ending this service. Hey, let's come forward and lay down any heavy burden, lay down any habit, any pride, anything that needs to be laid down that would get in the way, that would entangle you, that would strangle you, that's getting in the way of the glory of God, the will of God in your life. Jesus, we now seek your face, your will, your purpose, your plan in our life. We would ask that you would come and just meet us here, Lord. Meet us wonderfully. As we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, we would ask that you would come and just graciously remind us of things that perhaps are not glorifying you. Pray for those, Lord, this morning who would just need that comfort from you, who would need the mercies from you, who would need, Lord, a a great touch. As we engage in communion, Lord, remembering what you have done, we want to put our full trust and hope in you, Christ, O Lord. We want to stand on the rock. And so have your way now, Lord, with us. King Jesus, come, we pray in your precious name. Amen.